You're listening to Talk to Tall. This is Talia. I have helped people in varying capacities, whether it was how to get divorced, how to come out of the closet, how to feel better in my own skin, start a new career, move across the country, move across the world, working on their addiction, how to be honest. It's very easy to lie to ourselves. I like to say the truth is erotic. Let me help you find yours. Should I call you Tal or Talia? Uh, either. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. Nice Thanks for coming to uh, talk to Tal to have a conversation with a stranger. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, today we are uh, introducing someone to the Talk to Tal forum who I have never met or spoken to or seen with my eyes except for right now. Um, so welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you for having me. Um, Wait, I'm doing some subtle staging. Okay, Even good. though the audience can't see, can't see me, you can, and that's all that matters. It, okay. Exactly. I think... I noticed that when I use uh, a video, what comes out is is a lot. The it's all your senses are heightened, so you feel and interpret things differently because you see something versus just listening. So even just seeing you right now, I can um, almost kosher your t-shirt. I uh, nice. I, I get a different impression than just hearing your voice. So I'm really happy that you decided to come to the show and do something you probably don't know anything about with regard to me or what we're talking about. And I don't quite yet either. It's sort of organic. I've only done a little bit of research on you. Not, not to the point of stalking, but enough like opposition research. So I I know what I'm in for. Oh, good. Okay. We'll see how it goes. So, um, out of curiosity, does the audience know, um, how we were introduced? Uh, no. So if you would, if you would like to, uh, contribute or okay to talk about, okay. Well, maybe, maybe gently speak about it. And if I don't like anything that's said, we'll, we'll have, um, my guy edit it out. (laughs) Um, but I have no, go ahead. Why don't you give us a little synopsis? I'm, I'm technically just meeting you now, but how did I meet you meet? So we matched on a dating app. And this is our first date, <laughs> such as it were. Exactly. Okay. It's like two strangers trying to navigate. Date Now, dating apps are very, that's a whole, we could probably have a series of conversations on that. But I find now at this stage of my life that it's interesting to see who you match with just for many reasons. You could meet someone that you go to shul with, you could meet someone that knows your rabbi, you could meet someone that could give you, you know, ideas of where to vacation in the south of France, or, you know, I I asked you if you would do my show. Um, why don't you tell us a little background about your, your, who you are? I know you're a musician. Yes, uh, I was born in the Tawny Riverdale section of the Bronx, and um, I've been a professional musician since I was 17. And my biggest claim to fame is that I was the leader of the vocal group Rockapella, which was uh, featured on the PBS 
television series, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, for five years in the mid-90s. And I wrote that famous theme song. That whole thing, what I just said, that's going to appear on my tombstone. That's my claim to fame. Wow, that's... Since then, I've done lots of other great work as well. Oh, good. Well, congratulations on all that. Um, oh, and thank you. I'm happy that you're an active musician. That's powerful. And you're very tall, and I know you're Jewish. That's about that's about all I know. You're a tall mus- Jewish yeah, musician. Yeah, really, what else is there? How besides, rare. Besides those two attributes, what else do you need? If you're tall and you're Jewish, what else do you need? <laughs> tall Jews don't really happen that often, I don't think. That's true. <laughs> um, okay, well, I one of the reasons why... Oh, go ahead. So if you're coming to me for relationship advice, you're probably not coming to the best person to dispense that advice because I am the uh, the product of six generations of divorces, and I personally kept the string going myself with my own divorce. That being said, uh, I think that we should employ a broader definition of what a successful relationship is. Maybe till death do us part isn't the definition of success. Maybe producing a great child, having many years of happy experiences and memories and personal growth. Maybe that's another definition of a successful relationship. Yeah, I absolutely think that that is. I, I, I like the notion of, you know, when you end a relationship, where does the love go? And I think that so much of coming close to anyone for however long that you might be together, it nourishes us as human beings. So it's still a profound success, despite it not being everlasting. And maybe that's something humanity came up with that you're supposed to be with this one person for the rest of your life. And that's bliss. But a lot of times it's not. So you take the good with it and maybe make adjustments on headed towards your next relationship. How do you feel now um, having those experiences? Is it something that you look at in your life thinking, I hope I find someone that meshes with me at this stage of my life? Or are you not really concerned with that where you are? Well, I definitely miss being in love because that is an an intoxicating feeling that I think everyone should have. Uh, Maybe, you know, it's not the kind of feeling that you expect you're going to have every minute of every day for an entire relationship. But it's a, it's such a, it's a wonderful thing to have in one's life. And it's romantic love is different from the love of a, of a child or of a, of a, um, of a friend. It's a, it's a different kind of um, physical love. It's just something really important that I think everyone should, should have or should. I'm not going to judge people who don't strive for it, but for me, I miss it. Yeah. And I'll keep going after it. Oh, that's good to hear. I, I think that that's part of it is to never give up. And sometimes if I look, I don't know how you see other people out in the world if you spot love, but. In the course of my journey, I've probably only seen two marriages in my life that I would want out of all the people I know. And those particular relationships, I, I 
I've witnessed some are at a distance and some are close friends, but it, it really makes me think, yeah, you know, um, if, if it's meant, it's meant, I don't think we have to necessarily chase it, but, um, it certainly feels fantastic. This sort of makes me think about, um, I started reading this book, which has been on the New York times bestseller list. And I'm very intrigued about it. Usually I don't pay any attention to the, I don't like to read that's for starters, but I, I am very curious about the notion of love and I'll read, I'll read about it. I'll research it. I'll try to understand the difference between men and women and how we view things and what intimacy is to a man versus a woman and how everything is into play. But there's this book by Jay Shetty called the eight rules of love. And, um, he is so one thing I wanted to ask you about Sean was um how do you think men and women differ as far as their feeling for love when they're in love because we're very different creatures we have very different hormones we have different reactions and I wanted to get your notion on that that's a pretty big question I don't I mean I read um Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Many years ago, it resonated very strongly with me. And I hate to, I hate to stereotype, but I do think that in talking to my male friends and my female friends, that I have, a, I still have a lot of male and female friends, both married and single. And I think that there's a lot of statements that you could say that aren't blanket statements, but, but for the most part, they ring true. And that women crave a different kind of intimacy than men crave. I'm not saying that men don't also need it and crave it, but um, most of my male friends, we seek acceptance, appreciation, physical touch, um, validation. Um, and when I hang out with my male friends, we can feel incredibly close to each other without always talking about our feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but my female friends, it feels like it's a different thing. It's, it's a different kind of conversation. And I think women for the most part, need different things than, than men do. Um, and I feel a little bit like a Cretan saying it that way, because it does sound like I'm stereotyping, but I think the research probably shows that what I'm saying is for the most part, correct. You know, there are gray areas and there's a lot of overlap in the way people, uh, men and women feel about things. But, um, I'd like to think I'm in touch with my feminine self enough to know that there are big differences. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're spot on. And, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, by the way. I think it's very intelligent and you probably arrived at that through years of experience with relationships with friends and their relationships, et cetera. Um, that we, we think differently. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. I feel that it's very yin and yang because the things that we need um, emotionally sometimes as women from men, 
men have, they carry those traits. So it, it helps for a tighter bond in a way, but also our emotional reactions are very different. Um, and I, I feel like I'm learning about this all the time, whether I'm in a relationship or not, I'm currently not in a relationship. Um, and I, 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 I too love love and I love to be in love and, I don't think it happens often enough or very often. It's very rare that you get the right connection with someone that you want to pursue something very extraordinary and kind and, you know, you want to, you want to take care of how you feel toward them anyways. I think a lot of times women think, what should I be receiving from the guy? What should, what should he be, how should he be showing me love? And I like to think, well, how should I be showing him love? How should I be providing um, the things, like you said, men like to be appreciated? Um, it's interesting because I think it took me so many years before I realized that a man needs to be respected. It, that took a very long time for me to learn. That's interesting. You mean um, respected for his masculine traits or just feeling that you 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 do more than just like him or love him or be attracted to him that you hold him um in an exalted position what do you mean by i'm not sure what you mean by her i think i like I you think, respect his opinion well i think i think uh you respect who he is as a person what he's trying to do achieve um, where he's going, yes, definitely. his aspirations, his dreams, how, for however big or small they are. Um, and I, and I, in that, in that way, it seems that men really need a best friend. Um, at least in my, in my thought, I think men want someone who they can run something by who respects what they're going to suggest, even if it's an outlandish aspiration but that you actually can help build, help their confidence, which in, in turn sort of feels that you respect them. Yeah, you know, one thing that I found is really interesting um, is that when, when my female friends vent to me, they're not always looking for my advice. <laughs> but when my male friends vent to me, they're always looking for advice. Wow. And that, that is something that has taken me a real long time to sort of train myself not to knee-jerk reaction, give advice, unless I know it's wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of men are like this. They, they want to fix things. I know a lot of women who are like this too. You, uh, But I, I've learned that for the most part, I think when women vent, they want empathy and understanding. They don't want solutions. Exactly. But men, men, it's, it's almost like um, when I'm complaining about something, it's as if I'm talking about my carburetor. Right. And I want someone to say, oh, yeah, there's the problem. Just turn that screw. <laughs> you know, when I vent to, to to my male friends, I want them to say, "Schmuck, you're doing it all wrong." 
<laughs> exactly. I love that you use the word carburetor because I, th- I think most people don't even know what that is. They, do they even have carburetors anymore? Hey, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so true. I um, I think men, just if we if we look at the evolution of mankind which I guess some people wouldn't like using the word man to describe mankind. But if you look at the creation, um, you know, men are on a mission to take care of what they need to take care of, solve what they need to take care of to protect. And women are, you know, watching their surroundings and making sure everything's okay so they can create a, a safe area so when the man comes he's protected and the family's protected. So I think, I think you have, I really think you have a lot of insight about the, the, the idea of what, what do I need to do to fix something that men think like that? Um, I, I do think that people frequently ignore our animal nature. Hmm. We think that we're so evolved that, our huge brains can make up for the fact that we're just mammals who are here to eat and fuck yeah. and survive. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes my happiest moments are when I have completely embraced my animal nature. Like when I walk past the steakhouse, my mouth starts to water from the smell. Mm-hmm. Complete animal reaction. Right. Um, when I, Past someone who, who is who I whom I find physically attractive, I'll have a you know these stirrings of lust, yeah, and to deny it as as anything but pure mammal behavior feels kind of silly to me. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know we we live in a society and we have social norms, and we can't always act on our base animal natures, but I think to deny the fact that we are the product of genes and a million years of evolution is kind of strange that we uh, we hold ourselves in such an exalted position because of our brains that we think that we can overcome all of our natural tendencies. Absolutely. that That's brilliant and so, so point on. I, uh, I think that when it all comes down to it, everything that we fight for right now as people in 2023 and the reality of how, where we came from and what we're about as mammals and little creatures, I always think of it as it's science and it's been going on forever in some form. I mean, if you watch two squirrels in the kingdom or you watch two penguins or two insects, it's the same same type of um, attraction toward toward the other. So I think that's that's brilliant. Yep. I'm glad that you mentioned that, and um, I always find that to be true too. I guess for as a woman, um, one time I had this therapist that said to me, "Men fall in love with their eyes, and women fall in love with their ears." You know, everything that you say into a woman's ears, it's like you could make a woman orgasm just by what you're saying. And a man is very visually stimulated, so it's a completely different um, side of the spectrum. Do you do you think that's true? 
Do you find that to be well, true? Well, as a singer, I wish that women only fell in love with their ears. <laughs> so they probably could. Maybe they fall in love more more with their ears than with their eyes. Right. But uh, I've watched. Uh, I remember. I've watched. Um, the, my first experience with the dating app was watching a woman on Tinder swipe, and she was swiping really, really quickly. And after each, for each swipe, she would say something about the physical appearance of the guy, like, uh, not enough hair, uh, bad eyes, uh, a weak chin, a uh, terrible V-neck sweater. You know? <laughs> and I remember thinking, wow, women are just like guys. They're completely visually oriented. But I guess when it's one-on-one, maybe women are more forgiving about a guy's appearance. Um, yeah, guys can be um, somewhat cavemen-like in that I know that men watch more porn and are much more visually stimulated than women are for the most part. But I do know women who also, you know, place a huge prominence on on looks. Yeah. So... It's also changed a lot. Uh, You know, I mean, my father always talks about this when he's giving examples of why, how, how he could help me in my dating prospects, which I assure him he cannot. Um, I said, dad, they don't, they don't even, this is a totally different world. And I said, you know, he said, well, everyone's so obsessed with looking young and being fit and doing this. Like we didn't care about any of that. We just liked the person, and then we we might have found them attractive, and then we wanted to go for them. We weren't thinking about money and, you know, do they look young? Where do they vacation? And I said, yeah. I mean, he's eighty years old, so it's a different it's a different reality. Um, but at the at the end of the day, I don't really think. I mean, it might change as you as you get years of experience, but to me, looks are not the most important thing. Uh, when it comes to the attraction of a man, to me, um, I think personality and humor are pretty important. I would say they trump looks. What do you think? Yeah, I about- think there's probably a range. Yeah. Well, I think there's probably a range. You know, you're you're. I think you're a very beautiful woman, and I'm not just saying that because this is our first date. Um, <laughs> or that you can only partially that, see me. Um, <laughs> but I would say that. Um, Yes, maybe there is a, a broader range of physical attributes that you'd be willing to accept than, than most men. But there's still a range. Yes. Like if the guy was the nicest guy with the most poetic tongue and the most wonderful speaking voice and the most brilliant conversationalist, if you found him you know, physically unappealing, you wouldn't give him a, you wouldn't give him a second look. That's probably true. Am I right about that? I don't even think, but I, and I don't even think that that's not even shallow because I think that physical attraction has a has a lot to do with uh, with looks and chemistry. I'm not yeah. saying that you that that people that I don't find attractive aren't physically attractive to other people. I'm just saying that I think that that the the things that you you know you see, whether it's hair or facial expressions or or eyes, or shape of the body, or height—they—they they all matter. Yeah, 
they maybe they're not they're not the they don't determine the success of a relationship, but in, they bring they bring us together. That's very so. true. Do you think a relationship could grow into something just by a mere physical attraction? Yes, it could grow into a shitty relationship, <laughs> <laughs> and it probably and will. I think you know, the end. <laughs> many couples that they still have a lot of sex but they have they don't really like each other <laughs> they just they have such a physical chemistry that it trumps everything else yeah. uh, and then there there are couples who have a great friendship and a wonderful collaboration but the physical chemistry fades and that's also kind of depressing I yeah. mean, I've, I've sort of been in that situation where you can co-parent really well and enjoy spending time with each other, but the, phys- the things that drew you together physically maybe aren't there anymore. And that's, that's kind of depressing because you'd like to think that, oh, aren't all these other things so important? The fact that we like to have dinner together and we laugh at the same jokes and we like the same movies and we love our family and we love our house and our kids and but we still don't want to maybe don't want to sleep together anymore right so it's that weird sweet spot yeah of trying to have it all and that's you know that's why marriage i think is so is difficult i believe it was Groucho Marx who said marriage is a wonderful institution but who wants to live in an institution? <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's either Groucho Marx or maybe it was Jackie Mason. I'm not sure. I think it was Groucho, actually. But I love I think some it was good, Groucho. I think I love some good Perry Como, Jackie Mason, yeah. <laughs> um well that's fascinating. Um and how long have you been divorced? Uh technically not even divorced. Uh separated for uh over a year. Okay. Sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Thank you. How about you? Um, I've been divorced so long that I forgot that I was married. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to recall, you know, sensory memory. I think I was married. But yeah, I, I was married. I've been divorced 19 years. And I've been, Oh, wow. And How I, long were you married for? Uh, just three. I have had some pretty long... Uh, relationships in between there, but I, I feel that I never made the right connection. It was someone was coming out of a divorce and I wanted to get married to them, but they didn't want to get married or, you know, just haven't found the right thing. But I, I think I wasn't really, really, I thought I was ready, but I think as I get older, I realize how important a relationship would feel if I'm blessed to find the right one, I would really be happy about that. So I, I mostly go to shul and I pray about it a lot and see what happens. Are you a believer? Yeah. 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 It's strange. I mean, I'm very connected with my, um, with my Jewishness, but like many secular Jews, I'm not a believer, but I, I feel very close to the tribe. Yeah, and do a lot of Jewish things. I sing Jewish music, and I've 
produced Jewish records and I've written many, many songs about my uh, skepticism about religion, but about the things that I like about the tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, uh, yeah, I've never been a believer. Yeah. Well, everybody has their own journey to their spirit side, you know. And that's that's a good thing. So, I am um, um, my the closest I ever feel to the tribe is when I'm singing the the two albums of comedy songs that I wrote about being Jewish in cool. America. That's cool. I, I feel I feel like I'm doing my part. Yeah, then you definitely are. We need that. <laughs> Especially if there's any humor, it makes me think of Adam Sandler, you know, singing. Um, but um, you know, with what you said about um, marriage and relationships, mm-hmm. you know, marriage is a strange convention that we've we sort of impose on on people, and there's all these government and financial and logistical benefits that that the that society says like okay we want to encourage you to do this thing but i think the relationship is is more important than whether you actually make it official legal um that's what i've always felt i mean i i like being married but um i would rather be in a great lifelong relationship yeah. than in a than only married for part of one. Exactly. I, I agree. I think the notion of marriage to me, it feels like a bigger promise, a bigger commitment. I read something um, actually in this book that I was talking to you about earlier um, that the difference between like and love, like, you know, seems to beckon lust and attractiveness and you see a rose that's really beautiful and you want to cut it and put it in a vase on your mantle and you look at it with admiration and you might go over and smell it and just look at it. But if you have love for something, you don't want to capture it into a vase. You just want to water it and see how the rosebuds bloom. So I like thinking of it in that way that it's it's a partnership that is special but it doesn't necessarily you know you obviously have to have the the biggest part of it first before you think of marriage being i don't know the rescue for lack of a better word because when you to me then the idea of being married feels like an everlasting commitment and people get divorced all the time so that's kind of the the weirdness of it. When you when I got married, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to end up being divorced. I just felt that it was the right, exact right moment, and I was the right person in that moment, and he was the right person in that moment. Yeah, and, um, you know, marriage, like what you said before, I think was really beautiful about love means nurturing the rose, not cutting it and displaying it on the mantle. Um, I, I don't, I mean, marriage for me, there is that element of sort of ownership, which has always troubled me a little bit. Um, 
and I guess it's, it comes with the territory that you get married and all of a sudden it's not just the rules that you and your spouse make about the relationship. Society has all these expectations and rules about what your marriage is supposed to be. And I don't just mean monogamy, it's just about, about everything, about mm-hmm. all the different legal and logistical things about uh, health care and inheritance and children and property. It's like there's this whole other business part of it that is so strange. And I guess originally that's probably more where it came from. It didn't come from love. It came from business partnerships. Yeah, joining two families together, and the love part is a maybe that's the the more modern element, and it's hard sometimes to that for those things to coexist perfectly. Yeah, I like the notion of being with someone who is your partner, and they both have their own will to walk out. You're not married, let's say. They both have, you know, you each have your own will when to exit the relationship, but you don't because you want to nourish it and you want to stay. And so in that way, the Goldie Hawn, you know, Kurt Russell kind of marriage that they've been together forever, but they're not married, um, gives more oh, freedom. Oh, is that right? They're not married? They're not married. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it gives huh. more freedom to say, I accept you. And if you want to go at any point because you're not happy here or you need something else, you can go, you know, we have history tying us together, but we're not married. So that's pretty, that's pretty powerful. So it does take a a particularly strong relationship to which then that, and I think one of the, one of society's goals is to make it very easy to get married and harder to get divorced. Yeah. You know, you got the whole thing with lawyers and separating property so i i guess that's society <laughs> or the people who invented all these rules they recognize that that we're weak and some impediments putting out there everyone had a bad argument they would get divorced and at least this way there's enough impediments in the way that it forces you to to slow down and take stock like, oh, wow, we get divorced. Oh, my God, we got to split this house up. What are we going to do? Yeah, exactly. It's a lot uh, of work. But it would be nice. Yeah. But that makes what Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell have all the more impressive. Yeah, there you go. to stick it out. Yeah, especially in Hollywood world. That's like 80 years. <laughs> So I, I'm. It's very nice to meet you, Sean, and thanks for coming to talk to us. Um, and thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, and I would love to maybe join you for um, a seltzer or coffee sometime. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Okay, great. Then and, for me, mission accomplished. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I'll probably have uh, ask you to come back on the show because we'll have way more questions about relationships. I think if we talked about this every day forever, we still would have the huge conundrums between the two sexes. But thanks for thanks yeah, for very very rap- happy to come on anytime. Great. And I've written many 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 songs about about relationships and heartbreak. 
Oh, I'm good. not saying that any of them offers any good advice, but they're really catchy. Oh, good. Maybe maybe we'll uh, let you read some of your lyrics. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Okay. Thanks for thanks for coming. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Tali. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk Too Tall. If you are feeling like you need help to find your truth, please shoot us an email with your question to talktotalia at gmail.com. It's T-A-L-K, the number two, T-A-L-L-I-A at gmail.com. You'll never know your truth unless you ask for it. <laughs>